Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. My name is C. I use they them pronouns and I play Okahaye, an Asamar blood hunter slash monster hunting expert. I'm Erica and I play V Nocturzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include death, funerals, mourning, alcohol and substance use, panic attacks, large bodies of water, processing trauma, romance, kissing, and references to sexual entanglements. Arc 3, Episode 15. Something that doesn't die can't be beautiful. From I'm Going Back to Minnesota Where Sadness Makes Sense by Denez Smith. Peace is not a word that translates easily into Nabalish. The closest approximation Nabalians have is an absence of chaos. Harmony defined not as an additive, a surplus, but rather a lack, a void. Perhaps it's for this reason that Atalanta's funeral is anything but peaceful. A procession winds through the broad, cobbled streets of Rosso, packed to the gills with people. At the front of this procession, the honor guard and the musicians. Drummers play a slow, steady beat against skin stretched tight against wood, while trumpeters toot out a sad, winding melody that carries on the wind. In the midst of the honor guard, we see Atalanta's body wrapped in a white shroud, borne on a platform made of scavenged driftwood. Her trident lies on top of the shroud, its golden hilt polished and gleaming in the light of the sunless sky. The platform is being carried by Cain and Xiaohu, the newly crowned champion and regent of Nabal. And walking in front of Atalanta's body is Rev, her face obscured by a mask shaped like a crow's beak. 
She scatters jet black feathers on the ground, muttering a prayer in raven speech, ushering Atalanta's soul into the court of the Raven Queen. And behind Atalanta's body, behind the honor guard and the musicians, we see the people of Arasso. All of them rich and poor, young and old, weak and strong, it doesn't matter. All of Rosso gathers behind Atalanta's body, walking in time to the mournful beat of the drums, draped in shades of black and white, as is custom. Some are crying, some are singing softly, some are simply holding hands and walking. Amongst these people, we see four familiar faces. Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V. Your friends in Rosso are amongst the procession as well. Dr. Eluso walks nearby, as does Talat. Even Tonga has emerged from her cocoon in the hero's quarters to join the procession, though she stays far away from your party, occasionally shooting dark looks at Dewey. But before we get to that, let's start with you, Oka. How are you conducting yourself through this funeral procession? I think Oka is uh, walking um, in time with the music. Is it um, is it upbeat or is it l more like a slow dirge? Definitely more of a dirge. Okay, uh, then I'm not dancing. Uh, I guess then Oka would also kind of be humming uh, under their breath uh, and walking close to Manaya's side. I think, like, kind of keeping at times if it looks like she needs it, like, one hand uh, on their friend's back as they walk, kind of, like, humming as they go. This is not the first funeral they've been to, but they're not so sure about her. Okay, this is actually a great way to transition to Manaya. What's Manaya doing? Manaya's head is down, and she's staring at her feet, but focusing more on uh, Oka's feet and V's feet on either side of her, uh, trying to just step in time and match the rhythm. Um, because she has a lar longer stride, so she's trying to like pull back a little bit. Okay. And I think we're gonna pan down from Anaya, uh, mu much farther down to Dewey. So what's Dewey doing? Um, I believe Dewey's going to be walking on the side that's furthest away from Atalanta's body. Um, and he's, I think he, I don't think he's um, been to a funeral in Nabal. Um, so this is dredging up past memories as well as um, memories of Atalanta. Okay. Uh, off Dewey's eyes sort of glazed over in thought and memory and grief. If not for Atalanta, then for everyone else he's lost here. We're now going to finally pan over to V. How is V conducting herself through the funeral, Erica? V is um, trying. She's very much in very stiff control of her body right now. She's trying to keep her head up and sort of looking forward. She spends a lot of time um, kind of staring up ahead at Rev. But she's also keenly aware while keeping her eyes straight, she still sees out of the periphery that a lot of the town folk around her are like stealing glances. Like she's very much being watched and she's very aware of being watched. And so she's being very controlled and like trying to just 
seem powerful and and stern kind of while slowly following the music in terms of speed of walk. Ooh, I really like that. Why don't we have a point of inspiration? Why don't all of you have a point of inspiration for your descriptions, actually? So I think now that we've got a sense of how the four of you are conducting yourselves individually, right? I want to know, do the four of you talk to each other or do anything as this procession continues? Manaya doesn't speak to anyone, uh, but she is muttering a Unahanahan mantra, which is Unuhan, of course, and translates to curse not fate, but remember its victims. Just whispering really slowly and solemnly over and over. When the feathers that Rev is kind of creating are scattered on the ground, are people walking over them? Or is this like a situation where you can like pick it up and kind of take the procession like to the end with you? Almost like how you can put like, ro- like everyone has a rose that they can throw onto a grave, like in some funerals. You can definitely pick up the feathers. Oka takes a moment to like stoop and, and pick one up and just kind of holds it in front of them uh, and walks with it, their own kind of manifestation of the grief that they're taking with them. Okay, I really like that. What about Dewey and V? Dewey also, as they're walking, like a breeze uh, floats one of the feathers into like into him. And so he like plucks it off of himself and kind of holds it in like steals glances at Oka, uh, looking at the feathers, and he tries to look at Manaya, but Manaya's probably not making eye contact with him. He's just gonna like look to his team members for, I don't know, because they're just going through the same thing and he doesn't know how to feel about it. Okay, V? I think uh, there might, in the moment of like, um, when V notices out of the periphery of her eye, uh, Dewey like looking over to her, uh, I think she'll cast message and be like, uh, it's okay. I'm still here for you if you need anything. And if Dewey has any reply back, they can se- he can send one. Dewey says, uh, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> v just sort of nods and goes back to like looking ahead. Okay. I think Atalanta's funeral procession continues for several hours moving slowly and deliberately through the streets of Rosso, picking up more mourners as it goes. Uh, Every single neighborhood of Rosso is visited. The Plaza of Risk and Reward, where the march begins. The Plaza of Dreams and Knowledge, Thread and Frost, War and Mountain, Storm and Tempest, Nature and Change, Birth and Death, and finally, Field and Freedom, on the southern tip of Rosso, bordered by the shores of Ingir Lake. That's where the procession stops, right on the sandy shores of Bacchanalia Beach, where even the revelers have paused their activities to join the procession in the morning. The honor guard approaches the sandy edge of the water, and Kane and Xiaohu step forward, ushered by Rev, and slowly begin to lower Atalanta's body into the surf. And as this happens, the the beat from the drums picks up, uh, getting faster, more ceremonial. Uh, And the melody, which is sort of winding, improvisational, and sad, this melody of the trumpets also changes, right? It's grief-stricken melody shifting into a more hopeful, uh, up-tempo major key. Uh, And then, almost as though summoned by magic, right, uh, a group of people emerges from the water. Tritons. 
dwarvish tritons, tiefling tritons, elvish tritons, human tritons, all manner of triton folk surface from this murky water. Uh, their bodies slick with Ingear Lake, uh, the gills at the sides of their necks flaring as they take in this oxygen uh, above, above the lake. And Atalanta's body floats toward the Tritons, who receive her with gentleness and care. And they nod in gratitude at the procession on the beach, everyone planted on the shore. And then they take Atalanta's body back home. They submerge her back underneath the water, and all of them disappear into the depths of Ingear Lake. And as they disappear, the music from the drumline just sort of explodes, right? The music just swells, right? Uh, and the trumpets sort of blaze a, a riotous, joyous, really bluesy, messy riff. And then just sort of like that, the mood on the beach just changes. Uh, and the people who had just moments earlier been crying and holding silence for this funeral begin begin to dance. They begin to sing. Uh, they begin to hold each other and and laugh. And they and they start to you know they start to move their bodies, punctuating the music with shouts and whoops, because the morning of Atalanta's death is over. Now it's time to celebrate her life, as is the Nabalian way. Uh, so Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V, as the mood just very suddenly does like a 180 kind of shift along with this like music, like guiding them. What do the four of you do? Oka, with that like raven feather, they let it kind of get cast onto the breeze, which I think picks it up and takes it into the ocean. And then they turn to Manaya uh, and to, I think, Dewey, who's maybe on the other side, and V, who's maybe just like a, a little bit up, up further. I have really always wanted to come to a funeral this big in Nabal. Come, come on, come on. Uh, and Oka starts, they like take, they like sh take their shoes off and kind of like, like shove them into the thing. And they pull, they pull like the, the bottoms of their pant legs up a little bit to reveal this like gray, like scarred calves even, you know, and they grab Manaya's wrist and start like hauling ass toward the water. Like, as people are, like, starting to move and dance and thrum, they're like, come on! Come on! I think at uh, Oka grabbing Manaya's hand, Manaya goes, oh, wait, I... But then just kind of goes along with it. And at, when we reach the beach, um, Manaya starts, you know, celebrating, kicking water, you know, that kind of stuff. But her smile never reaches her eyes. Okay. Dewey, V? As Oka's pulling Manaya into the water, I think Dewey, like, uh, if they're wearing, like, any, like, garments that they have to take off to get into the water, he's, like, received them, and he's gonna, like, uh, move his way, like, do, like, a simple step touch over, uh, away from the action and over to the bar again, I think, um, and kind of look for Tanya. And just hold, hold it other people's clothes. I really like that. What about you, V? I think there's a little bit of, like, Prolonged sadness when Atalantis's body is put into the water. I think that hits V a little hard. Maybe think about her own mother when she passed away and stuff. And uh, V sees what's going on, all the like the merriment and now the joy. And she like lets out like a coy smile. And she like she sees Oka and Manaya running towards the water. And she like she's still maintaining this air of like um, control, but like. She does like a little, a little jig as she like follows towards the shore. She's not like letting herself loose, 
but she's like trying to show herself like she's getting into the mood that everybody else is in. Um, she still feels very self-conscious, so she's not like able to just like get into the mood, so to speak. She's, she feels like a very caught in a weird space right now. She's never had this kind of attention on her. She's still like not sure how to deal with this. Totally. Okay, I really like that. Uh, I think Oka, Manaya, and V, as the three of you sort of kick around and dance in the surf, I like the musicians, they sort of like disperse along the beach. They like join in with the revelers who like go back to their activities, but it seems like even more manic, like even more like this is big. Funerals in Raso are big, and this is the funeral of a, of a champion. So it's, it's one of the biggest funerals you can have. Um, in the championship, uh, which is saying a lot. Uh, so people have, have broken out, you know, like good food, good drinks. You know, people are swirling around, like handing people like um, a flower crowns and like like giving people like uh, delicious things to munch on, whatnot. Like there's like like food and drink and everything just being passed around. All sorts of games are happening on the beach. People are swimming in the water. People are laughing and dancing, you know, and, you know, like joining you know like hugging each other even kissing each other etc uh so i think the three of you are just sort of like splashing around and trying to put on as much of a happy face in many ways as you can uh and i think oka you sort of as you're like dancing and moving uh in the surf uh you catch a glimpse of dr Aluso sort of just standing there awkwardly uh still in his like dirty sort of lab coach is sort of like on the shore like looking around like the people dancing around them but they're like like not really moving they seem like really out of place uh what do you do oh yes this is the perfect opportunity uh oka is there there's something that like similar i think to manaya like it doesn't quite reach all the way there but they're playing at it really hard right like they're really good at trying to forget and even though they're not quite letting themselves go there because there's this weird like there's a small sense of re responsibility now they uh they see dr aluso and they're like they're not having fun yet i gotta fix it uh, and they march, they like kind of like let go of Manaya's hand since he's there, you know, there's plenty of people around and they just like march through the surf and it's just like splash, 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 beelining for Dr. Aluso. Doc, what are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm standing. Yes, I can see that. Would you like to do not, not standing? Dancing, would you like to be dancing? Uh, sure. It does appear to be the custom of the championship and, and who am I to go against tradition uh, when in when in a ball as they say do you take off your shoes do you want to take your shoes off or do you want to swim with your shoes on I'll, I'll I'll swim with my shoes on I'll just I'll dry them later with magic okay come on and uh, Oka grabs Dr. Luso's hand also and starts like just like pivots and starts bringing them back into the water oh 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 okay oh uh, alright we're going uh is, is is this right? Am I am I am I dancing correctly? As Doctor Lucy starts to like dance really tentatively and awkwardly, I think maybe giving it would it would give Dewey a run for his money for the most awkward of the party. <laughs> I I think in a social situation. <laughs> uh, Doctor Lucy starts like very self consciously like like moving around next to you. Aren't you like the the, the prized adventure of all of Andake? You you've never danced in the ball. Uh, no, uh, most of my exploits don't really involve uh, uh, pe people that much like this. Well, don't don't think about anyone else. Just focus on me. Like no one's here. Uh, okay. 
And Dr. Lusa does. Like they like they stop looking at other people and like w- worrying about what they might be thinking, and they they just sort of focus on you. Uh, and their eyes, which were this like kind of muddy blue, you realize their eyes are now almost like brownish, like brownish blue. And their hair is like a lot like darker. It's not no longer like the scintillating blonde that it was when you first met them. It's almost like a muddy brown. Like they forgot to bleach it, right, or something. Uh, and, and and they're looking at you and they. And they start dancing and they start relaxing, you know, their hips relax, you know, their shoulders sort of like, all the tension starts, you know, just sort of like drops out of their body. So they're, they start moving in a, a bit more of a, a limber and fluid way. <sighs> Thank you, Oka. I, I don't know what's gotten into me. I've just, I've, I've sort of felt out of sorts ever since, uh, ever since the roof. Yeah, so have I. It's just, sometimes you do have to let it go, though, right? And just pretend like nothing else is there. Just be with the people you love. Well, well, well yes, yes, there's, there's that. But there's, uh, there's also, um, when those illusions uh, on, on the roof were, were appearing in the mist, you know, everyone's greatest desires manifesting, I saw all, all of yours, everyone's, you, Manaya, Dewey, V, Rev, I saw the, the throne, the families, the embraces. Uh, but but w- when the mist, when it spiraled toward me, I, I braced myself for its influence, but what came out of it for me was nothing. There was, there was nothing at all, as if, as if I didn't exist, as if I, as if I wasn't there. But I could feel the weave tightening. I could feel bloodthirst and Scott's magic working through me. It just didn't, it was like it didn't bind anything. Which means, of course, the only logical conclusion I can draw from this is that I have no desires. But that doesn't make any sense. Uh, Oka, what do you think this means? Oka, I think, pauses in their kind of, you know, jagged movement is what I would say. Like they just kind of pause as the uh, lake laps around their ankles and they look at Dr. Lusa and kind of cock their head. Nothing? Nothing. The mist just parted around me and it showed me nothing. That's odd. I don't... (laughs) I, I can't tell you what it means. But I do know that You're not empty, Doc. You might not be good with people, and you might not know how to dance. But you're not empty. None of us are. We're all more than we seem. Just because the mist showed us different things doesn't mean it was right. Doesn't mean that it meant anything about who we are. You're not empty. Th- thank you, Oka. I, I'm sure it must have just been a trick of the magic. Everything was exploding. It was so volatile. I, you can't really expect consistency from something like that from a shattered shard of a deity. Still, I, I appreciate your words. Come, we'll have plenty of time to talk about all of this when we leave. Dance again, with me. 
Uh, okay. Uh, and Dr. Aliso joint continues joining you in this, in this little duet, this little dance you're doing together. Uh, and I think we're going to ping away from, from Oka. We're going to swing, the, you know, we're going to swing our attention back to the bar to Dewey. Uh, so Dewey, what, what drink have you ordered, uh, from this, from this coconut bar? I don't think he's ordered anything, but if there are people walking around, um, with like, uh, hors d'oeuvres or whatever, um, he's just like, absentmindedly like plucking them off like oh this is oka's favorite uh like uh christini and like oh uh look at that little shooter of soup i bet Manaya would like that um and just like collecting like a bunch of uh, small bites of food um absentmindedly i really like that i think you're collecting these little hors d'oeuvres as they pass right and as you, maybe you're like picking up what what's the thing you're getting for for v is it like shrimp yeah that makes sense yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that tracks for me, I think. Uh, you pick up this little thing, this little floating thing of shrimp, and then you hear a voice from behind you go, Cardu? He drops the shrimp. Back onto the plate, yeah. Okay, you, dro- you drop the shrimp down, you turn, and you see Tonga uh, appro- approaching the bar, and she looks, uh, she looks guarded, definitely still like very upset, but she's approaching you for the first time in like a week, which is a good sign, right? Uh, her hands are sort of folded in front of her chest. And sort of like Dr. Aluso, she looks out of place. Uh, she's not celebrating, not because she's, you know, she's awkward in a social situation necessarily, but because there's something else on her mind and it's you. Cardu, can we talk? Uh, yeah, here? Yeah, I mean, where else? Okay, they're probably too busy to listen in anyways. No one's listening, everyone's just dancing. Look, I'm, I'm angry with you. I, I'm, I'm really angry. And, and you know this, I haven't really hidden it at all this past week from you or Xiaohu. And you know why I'm angry, right, Dewey? Cardu? Sure. It's, it's not what I want either. <laughs> you know, that entire week I just spent cooped up in my room I read through some old journals of mine. I did some journaling and, you know, I, I realized something. And she sort of takes a seat next to you and she sort of unfolds her arms. I'm angry because... I'm angry because I'm scared, Cardu. I'm scared that Kane becoming champion means he wins. Bloodthirst wins. And everyone we cared about, everyone we loved, everyone we sent to die, they died for nothing. I mean, that's... Bloodthirst is dead by Kane's hands. I think it's hard to see that as a win. Kane's actively, like, re- uh, renouncing, denouncing um, everything Bloodthirst ever did or said to them. I think that's as good as it gets. Maybe you're right. I don't know. It's just every time I look into that tiefling's face, I just see Bloodthirst's red eyes staring back at me. That's why I've been, I mean, I avoid the throne room. I've only been there once. Because um, every time I step into that hall and I see Kane at the head, it feels like someone knocked the wind right out of me again. I hope they mean it. What they said when they accepted the championship. What they said about bloodthirst. 
renouncing bloodthirst, denouncing bloodthirst, as you said. I, I hope that was real. I hope they were telling the truth and they weren't just bullshitting us. I mean, Kane's gone through the same things that, like, that we've just been through this past couple weeks. It's hard to think that anyone could resist being worn down by all that. I know, I know, but all I'm saying is it just, it takes constant work. You have to work at something to change yourself. You can't just have one big revelation. You can't just go into the jungle one time and come out changed. That's not how things work. It's not how any of this works. Even her. And Tonga casts her gaze toward V, who's sort of in the surf. She's, what, hundred-something years old? And she spent how many of those years just conning people, going around lying, stealing their gold, and now she's, what, supposed to be a paragon? Old habits die hard, Cardu. You know this, I know this. And if you're going to travel with your friends, you, you should keep an eye on them. Because if there's one thing that you're not, and that I can always count on you to be, Cardu, is you're not someone who's tempted by power. You know, I'm scared too. I, no one's a perfect candidate for Paragon. But you know me. I, certainly not me. I can keep them in line, but I, if it ever comes to me, I don't know. I'm scared. You're gonna do fine, Cardu. Just, maybe this means, I don't know, maybe you should talk to, maybe you should go back to Hanahi. I hear there's like a big storm brewing off the southern coast, but maybe you should check in with Uilani and Hana soon. I still can't. Remember? Big watch? Right. Yeah. I almost forgot about that, actually. So so much stuff has happened. Yeah. It's almost the least of my worries. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, I'm sorry for being mad at you, Cardu. I was just, I was just scared. I understand. What you said about no paragon being perfect, I, I guess, but... And she lifts up one of the black feathers uh, that Rev had scattered. This feather that's basically a symbol of Atalanta and, and her death. But she kind of was, wasn't she? I mean, she made her mistakes five years ago. But she's changed. She really did. She really has. It's hard to believe that someone like her isn't ordained. And like, uh, Tonga lets the feather go as it like drifts off onto the breeze. But someone like V, someone like Oka, someone like, no, no, no offense at all, Cardu, at all. Me. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Someone like Kane becoming champion and everyone cheering for them. I just, it's a lot to take in. I don't think there will ever be enough time to figure that out. And I'm sorry I have to, we're leaving. It's okay, you've got stuff to do, I get it. I'm staying here, as you know. I gotta keep Xiaohu in line so Ri can keep Kane in line. I got faith in you. Good, at least someone does. Maybe you're more, quali more qualified to be a paragon. No, I, I wouldn't want that. I, I, I work better alone in, in the shadows and in my little studio making stuff. I don't want this either. You think that's what you're going to look like as a paragon? That little shiny thing you did to that dragonborn guy? <laughs> that was... When he turned off Phoenixy? Uh, that was purely V's influence. Uh... Yeah, I could see that. It didn't feel like you, Cardu. It felt flashier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think Dewey's, um, 
he's got like a vegetable skewer and he's like uh he hands it over like points it at her and is like do you want the goat cheese part you know i don't like goat cheese yeah give me the cheese and tonga it takes takes this little crumble of goat cheese off of it uh, and I think off of like the two of you sharing that vegetable skewer, we are going to float across the beach and we're going to find Manaya uh, dancing in the surf. Uh, Oka has peeled off to do a duet to dance with Dr. Luso. What are you doing? Manaya isn't dancing. She's maybe jumping and she's maybe like bopping along, but she's not like using her full body. And more so than that, she's scanning the crowd. And trying to lock eyes with V. I think V is actually, uh, I think we'll, we'll eventually see it, but V's kind of going through a little bit of a panic attack right now. She's like, she's just like so uncomfortable that um, she's almost like getting dizzy and like her chest is getting, like she's having a panic attack almost. She sees Manaya and she almost, she gives Manaya like a glance, like just, just give me like a moment and like out of nowhere, you just see her take a deep breath and go underwater, and she's gonna dimension door uh, right next to Manaya. But when she comes up, she will have also cast disguise self. So the pink tiefling arises from the water, who you know let all the animals out back at Kane Circus, however many weeks ago. Um, but has these like Kelly green eyes, and just like pops up beside Manaya and be like, Manaya, it's me, your friend V. Don't worry. V uh, sorry, which name for this one? Let's go with, I don't know, uh, Cindy. Wonderful. And Manai co comes from a whisper and says, Hey, hey Cindy, want to see how fast you can bury me? And Manai gets down on the sand and starts like piling sand on her. And now like V can, is like completely different, like is able to just relax. It's like, you've, oh God, I got uh, V's like trying to make up a new voice on the spot, like, you got it? And like digs in, like starts like clawing at the, the sand to like push it away and stuff. And I think there's just like, yeah, a lot of laughter and she's maybe like, I don't know, I think V just is like looking for moments to just like uh, smile at Manai and just be like, what a, what a, what a wild couple of weeks. <laughs> Her voice is just so off right now. Yeah, it has been, huh? There are a couple of things we do in Hanahi to stave off stress and worries. This is one of them. Hey, uh, I seem to have forgotten my straw. So I can breathe, you know, when you get to my head. And I think I might have left it over there. And Manaya gestures with her head uh, over towards... Maybe where, uh, maybe, maybe where Rev is. Oh, let me get that for you. <laughs> right. I'll keep working on this. Hey, who else wants to bury me? Like, like, ten, like 10 people surge forward, like to, to, to kick sand over your body, Manaya. V like runs over, like total, like almost Baywatch mode. Just maybe not Baywatch, but like, you know, oh my God. <laughs> on the beach. From, totally how, like, how are you like, running in slow motion? <laughs> I don't know. This is weird. I don't know what this voice okay. is. This is this is one messed up voice, Erica. That's good on you for trying. Um, Cindy's dead after this. Oh my god! 
Okay, so Cindy runs over to Rev, who I think is uh, talking to several revelers. Revelers. Uh, she's got her a big like bird mask on and is like talking and like nodding slowly. You see like a couple of people like gathered at, at, at you know, like uh, around her. But she sort of turns when she sees Cindy approach and, and dismisses the people who are talking to her and, and turns to face you. Uh, as, as you approach V, do you say or do anything? He's just like, psst, Rev, it's me. It's your, it's Vasanti. Uh, you, you can't see Rev's expression under the mask, but she does not respond for like a beat. <laughs> uh, and then she says, Ah, uh, Vasanti. R- right, uh, of course. Um, uh, do you, do you want to step aside for a minute? That would be wonderful. <laughs> All right. Here, follow me. Uh, and Rev leads you to like a secluded little, like under the shade of like a palm tree, I think, like kind of away from where all the revelry is happening. Steps aside, uh, and she's actually gonna like unhitch this like bird mask uh, from from the back of her skull and like lower it to reveal her face. Are you holding up, Vasanti? This is so stressful. <laughs> I've got. I have always tried to avoid being looked at by the public and being well known, but now, like every everywhere I go, people know who I am. They they know my me by name. I can't just pretend to be someone else. I just I how do you do this? I I don't know how to like handle all this attention right now. I'm dying here. You and me both. I don't. I also don't really like being looked at very much. I'm not. I'm not used to it. Or I, I was used to it when I was younger, when I was a when I was a priestess, but it is weird, isn't it? The hope in their eyes. Mm, yeah, it's <laughs> I you know, I I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like I've earned it. I feel like this just happened to happen to me and now people are like looking for for this from me and I I've ripped half of these people off somehow in my lifetime, probably, you know, I've been everywhere. I've tried to rip off almost every country in Antarctica. Like, this is not a good look for me. (laughs) Vasanti, did I, did I ever tell you about Leaf? No. Uh, she, uh, we, we, we were, we were engaged, uh. She was my, um, she was my fiance, uh, a a long, a long time ago. And she was what some would call a prophet. Uh, She was blessed with her little curse, is what she called it, uh, with precognition. Uh, She had these dreams that always came true, no matter what. There were small things at first. Uh, raining the next day when all we had was good weather and then it got bigger she predicted floods attacks even assassinations she started making a name for herself in the court she was going to go to too long to hone her craft people knew about her people knew who she was people put so much faith and hope in her and then and then the myriad uh and then he killed her. And he killed me. I bring this up, Visanti, because I know what it's like to be with someone that everyone looks up to, that everyone expects to be someone 
amazing. And Leaf, she was, she was amazing. She was, she was wonderful, but she was also just a person. Everyone made her out to be this demigod, this blessing, this holy symbol that walked the lands. She had no opportunity to just be herself. Honestly, that pressure for her to perform, for her to be Leaf Dream Eye, prophet of ravens, it was, it, it, it drove a wedge between us. And one of my greatest regrets is that we never got to tidy things up before she passed. I appreciate you telling me. You know, I was always told from a young age that I was special and it never felt true. And I've been, you know, thinking a lot about hearing that a lot growing up about how special I was and just being like, you're wrong, you're, I'm not special. And, and now here I am, <laughs> um, you know, close to a hundred years later after that person passed away and, and now I'm suddenly special. I understand regret that you're talking about. I understand what it is to like want to be able to talk to that person one more time when you cannot. And I promise you that between us, you'll always be just some person. Maybe a little bit more of just a person in my eyes, but I will always see you for who you are, not for what other people think about you or, or turn you into in their own minds. And I feel the same way about you, Fisanti. Don't worry, in my eyes, you're always the lying, <laughs> swindling thief with a heart of gold. Honestly, when you put it that way, why does anybody like me? I'm, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> There's no reason to fall in love with an uh, V. There's, but something I did learn at the carnival is that while V may have been those things, maybe, just maybe, Vasante can be something more. Maybe on that, uh, we are going to bounce real quickly back to Oka. Oka, I think you're sort of like winding down in your duet with Dr. O. Uh, and they, they've loosened up a lot. They're like sort of like, they're even like laughing, you know, while they're, while they're dancing with you. Maybe this can be like kind of closer to the end of the night, you know, like an Oka would have found some sandy hill, like away from everyone else to just kind of sit on and watch the, watch the tide come in, you know? We find you, Oka, on just this sandy hill somewhere, like looking out over the ocean, looking out over like the last bits of the revelry. Like it's not dying down really, but it's gotten like a little bit calmer, you know, like as like the sunless sky starts to dim all around you, you can smell this like salty, like, uh, woo. Would the lake be salty? I don't think so. Uh, you can you can smell this sort of like fresh lake water, just sort of like wafting up the sand at you, and like your the little bit of hair that's like sprouted and framed your face is sort of like ruffling in the breeze. And then you hear a voice approach you from behind you. You've been avoiding me. You have been very busy. Not too busy. As Kane. Uh, st steps up the sand and look looks down at you where you're sat. You haven't come by the heroes' quarters, I assumed you were. Well, you could have come by. 
The bird did. I was expecting you to come, but you you never did. <sighs> it's not like you need my help anymore with anything. Can we can we have this conversation standing? I don't want to get my trousers full of sand. <laughs> uh, Oka kind of laughs and rolls their eyes and spreads their uh, what is now like their sash that they always wear, but it's kind of like a little tattered at the ends now and torn. But they untie it and lay it down almost like a beach towel, like with enough for two. Uh, Kane actually smooths like smooths it open a little bit more <laughs> to give themselves more room, and, and they they sit down on it like really gaily, uh, and they they turn and they look at you. I wanted to see you before you left. What, were you just going to leave without saying goodbye? That is kind of my mo. But I'm glad. I'm glad. I probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't what? I probably shouldn't leave without saying goodbye. No, I'd be really mad at you. And I'm the champion now, so I could send a a, a squadron out there to, to hunt you down and kill you for wronging me in such a way. Yeah, like folks haven't already tried. Haven't you seen the bounty? I am well familiar with the bounty on Prince Makoya Hien's head. So you're going to add one to my head now, too? Yes, I think so. I think that just makes things even. One for your past life. One for who you've become. What about who I'm going to be? All right, I'll hold a bounty for that person, too. Good. I'm sorry I didn't come to see you. I, I was scared. Why were you scared? Because you've stepped out of your shadow. You've changed. You're changing, and I still can't decide if I am. It's so funny you say that, Oka, because I don't feel that way at all. Sure, I declared to all of Rosso, this is the champion that I'm going to be, and it's not going to be like, it's not going to be like Bloodthirst. But I still have to act to back it up. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what being a champion outside of Bloodthirst means. I'm just going to have to figure it out. And it's just going to be me. And Xiaohu, I guess, but Ri doesn't really count. They could count if you let them. I... Fine, maybe. I don't know. I just... Ri really is not who I imagined to be my regent at all. By any stretch of the imagination, but fine. Look, what I, what I mean to say is, Oka... You can change if you just decide to change. Okay? It's a starting point. If I... If I can change, you can change too. Maybe you're right. Maybe I already have, and I just haven't noticed. I've been so busy playing pretend. Are you going to go back to the kingdom? Yes. Yes, I am. I thought so. Are you going to talk to the Emperor? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. I really, I really don't. <laughs> that scares the fucking shit out of me. That's okay. There's no reward without a risk, right? That is something you would say, isn't it? Even if you're scared, you just have to do it. Just jump. 
didn't you just say you were afraid of getting sand on your trousers? I meant metaphorically. I'm not going to jump down this hill. Ugh. You're not? What's what's life without a little risk? And Oka kind of stands up. Are you afraid? The champion of Nabal can't roll down a little sandy hill and I can go all the way back to Tulong where there's a 100,000 gold piece bounty on my head and I'm wanted for treason. A cane spins and a gust of wind hits you in the back. And you, you roll down the hill. Boof, 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 and I think like just sand just like gets in your hair as you just like roll it. Roll, as they use a gust of wind to like knock you down the hill. What do you do? I fucking roll, baby. <laughs> you roll down and I think Kane glides down the hill like with like with a gust of wind and they land next to you as you sort of like face planted in the sand. Fuck you. Maybe next time. Uh, Oka grabs Kane's leg and pulls it out from underneath them. Huh? What? You? And Kane falls and like like a big dust thing of like sand goes up and they they very angrily shout at you. Um, but I think maybe that's that feels good to you. That's like where that scene can end on this big dust cloud of sand coming up. And now we're going to cut to a different uh, cloud of sand, a pile of sand, rather, uh, where we see Manaya's face peeking out. Uh, it took the entire day to maybe cover your entire gigant- gigantic body. Uh, and finally, it's just sort of like your head poking out of the sand. Most of the people have like left you to your own devices once they've completed burying you. Uh, and Manaya, tell me, what are you doing or thinking about as you are just sort of buried there in the sand? Manaya specifically placed herself relatively close to the surf, knowing that the tide would come in just a little bit. And she's taking solace and just feeling the slow rhythm of the of the waves off Ingeard, um, just like soak into her body. Her eyes are closed, but she's not closed off to like her all of her senses in case somebody like comes to bury her face or whatever. And she's trying to distract herself desperately she's thinking back when she was younger but a little bit older she was around 11 and her friends at the orphanage were burying her in the sand trying to build the biggest sandcastle they could on top of her and that sense of reckless abandon and joy just at existing in the world and then as you're like Lying there, you know, like taking in like the waves, like listening to the sounds around you, sort of fading into this memory. You, for the first time in over a week, hear a voice in your head. You used me, Manaya. You used me when I asked you not to. I didn't want to. I didn't try to. I offered myself to you so that you wouldn't have to take the brunt of it. There's no such thing in a situation like this as just sacrificing yourself to push your magical limits. Manaya, you... you have no magic without me. If you try to push yourself when I'm out, when I don't have anything, you're just... you'll just end up hurting someone else. And that someone else is always gonna be me. I'm sorry. I'm so... So sorry. I I didn't know. Yeah, well, now you do. But it doesn't undo what's already been done, so... I understand if you want to leave. Where would I go, Manaya? 
I'm stuck with you. You're stuck with me. Nolly's gone. So we make a new deal. What are you talking about, Manaya? You saved me in my time of need. A life for a life. You fulfilled the contract Nolly altered all those years ago. Your side of it is done, and you have no further obligation to me. If there's someone better suited to your power, they deserve it more than I. God damn it, Benaya! Why won't you just be mad at me? I lied to you! Nali lied to you! We lied to you about Oberon! We lied to you about... About... Our, what our relationship was like. We lied to you about everything we did and didn't do while she was still around. Why... We let all those people die, Manaya. Those people had to die before we learned to act. So why won't you just be mad at us? I am mad. I am so full of rage and sadness, despair, complicated emotions. I'm frankly not ready to even consider. But I have a job to do. We have a job to do. The eight of us, as soon as we find the four others, need to save the world. And you know this, but I've cried every single day this week. Not just because I betrayed you, but because I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be here with me. You're contract was to for Nolly's soul to bring you to the after and that was what it was and it was because of me she altered it and I'm afraid that if I confront these thoughts, these emotions too much I'll just end up giving up I can't do that I have to lead my companions we have to save the world we have to have to save the world, huh? What has this world ever done for you? What has this world ever done for me or Nali? But hurt us over and over and over again. My mother, she. I can't even feel her anymore. I don't know where she is. I don't know how long she's been gone. I don't know how long I've been gone from her. Nali's. Dying wish was for me to protect you, was for me to use all the magic I had to keep you safe. So I'm not going to leave you, Manaya, because if I leave you, then that means I couldn't fulfill this one thing Nali has asked of me, and that will mean I failed her. So I'm not leaving you, Manaya. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I don't know where we're going to go, what we're going to do, and when it comes to it, we may fall, we may fail, we will fail over and over and over again, and I don't know what the world has ever given us to deserve saving, but I have to be the leader, I have to be strong for them, and if you're going to stay with me, you have to be strong too. I'll be more careful in the future with your magic. 
I promise you that. But if it comes down to any of the other paragons or me, I'm sorry, but it's going to be me every single time. And I only hope that you can live on without me when that happens. I don't think I understand you very well, Manaya. God, I'm not the only one. Fine. And the voice recedes. And as it recedes, Manaya whispers in her mind, I'm sorry, Mom. I'll see you soon. The hero's quarters. After Atalanta's funeral procession, after the revelry on Bacchanalia Beach, after the conversations the four of you, Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V, have with each other, and with the various loved ones, friends, perhaps even more, uh, in Rosso that you've made and you've deepened your bonds with, uh, we find the four of you waking up after the same dream, as always, that same nightmare, the stranger, the war, the eight of you, the inevitable death, the blood, the destruction, the wings, the eyes. Four of you gasp awake at the same time. 8 a.m. on the dot, the sunless sky, light perforating, the windows coming in, bleeding in to your chambers. And you know, it's time. It's time to move on. It's time to leave the championship behind, go back to Dr. Lusso's at the edge of the Euclid chasm, and rest. So let's start with maybe, uh, let's start with Manaya, Dewey, and V specifically. Uh, as the three of you, like, get up and get ready and, 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 and clamber out of your rooms to, to meet in the common area like you'd decided. Uh, so who wants to go first to describe, uh, let's, let's do Dewey actually first. So Dewey, why don't you tell us uh, what we see as you exit your room? Um, I think Dewey probably stayed up last night, like, packing all of his stuff. Um, so he's all ready to go. He's kind of hovering around the common area looking for things that people have missed. And he's probably, like, prepared a simple breakfast. He's up early. Uh, well, I guess he was, he was ready to go when he woke up at 8 a.m. Dewey, you wake up, you are cooking a vegetarian breakfast on the grill, let's say on, on the stove top that's in, that's in this common space. It bends out through like a, seal, uh, a chimney that goes up through the ceiling. V, as you exit, what do we see? I think uh, V, you know, sort of like uh, getting this new gear all situated on and probably came from someone else's, um, perhaps a final night in, with uh, someone and yeah, sees um, sees Dewey doing some cooking, and um, just kind of stretches out and is like, um, you know, I think the dream for V is has taken on new meaning since becoming a paragon. Like, it feels that much more real, and you also like her her visions with Ying, and you know, uh, in the Stranger Wars, and like everything that's happened. Like, um, I think. There's, I mean, it was foreboding before, right? But now it's like even more real that like this, pro she's like one step closer to that prophecy or whatever that dream might be. So um, she's like shaking it off a little bit more and maybe just a little more quiet and contemplative in the mornings now than she probably used to be. Okay, I really like that. I think following you out of the same room as Rev, uh, who's sort of like scratching the back of her head. Um, and I think when the two of you woke up together, she 
if you have been for for lack of a better term if you've been spending your nights with rev then you would know that both of you would be woken up at mm-hmm. 8 a.m so rev rev shares the nightmares when she's in proximity with you and with the rest of the party uh so she she exits exits the room uh, scratches at the back of her head good morning dewey good morning how'd you sleep uh you know the usual horrific nightmare that i always seem to have on repeat when i spend my nights near you only when you're near us me it's it's odd ever since well the raven queen and i united i've been getting strange snippets of visions dreams whenever i fall asleep but none so vivid and brutal as the ones I get when I'm near other paragons when I'm near the four of you so what you're saying is if I need a better sleep I should just get away from everybody and maybe like find some inn somewhere else and my dreams will be a little less intense I don't exactly know what the rate drop off radius is for non shitty horrific prophetic dreams but I'm willing to bet it's more than just a couple of feet valid I, I hear I hear your point, and you know some things are worth being in close proximity to others for. <laughs> ah, morning, Manaya. I think that's when Manaya comes out of her room. Go ahead. What what do we see as Manaya exits? Manaya's hair is sort of matted on one side. She hasn't gotten around to doing it this morning, and she's like rubbing an eye. And she walks out, and she goes. Oh, morning, everyone. Oh, I can't quite see. Is Oka here? I think coming out of another room sooner than Oka is Dr. Aluso. And I think Dr. Aluso is like sharing a, a bunk room with like Squeak, you know, a Squeak glass sort of like waddles out. Uh, Dr. Aluso goes, ah, good morning, everybody. Uh, Rev, Manaya, Dewey, V, where's, where's Oka? We're supposed to meet Kane down at Bacchanalia Beach in just an hour. They're right here. We don't have to meet them. Uh, and Oka uh, is kind of like right, kind of maybe appears like kind of behind Dr. Lusso. And they have a ton, like a ton of those books from the library, like just kind of like stacked in their arms. And some of the it looks like maybe they took some of the pages out. And now they're like on top of the books. And there's like a big scroll and they have their hair tie like in their mouth. You know, they look super disheveled, but they still have their fucking sword strapped to their back. And Kate is right behind them. <laughs> Coming out of your room? Okay, I really like that. Um, ah, o- Oka. Champion Kane? Good morning, everybody. How'd we sleep? Ooh, what are you cooking, Cardu? And Kane strolls over without waiting for a response <laughs> from any of you to the grill. What are you cooking, Dewey? Um, I think he's making like a... It's like a soup with silken tofu in it. Um, it's like a hearty morning, uh, kind of like a comforting morning dish. Ooh, that looks yummy. Uh, and some pickled vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of just hand like a bowl to Kane without answering. Kane actually reaches toward, toward the pot, ignores the bowl, dips a finger in the pot and licks it. Mmm. I look at them in horror. You know, despite appearances, you really can cook. You should really consider using meat, though. Mm. Go find your own fried. Go get your 
brunch done with your... Uh... Oka, you want some of this soup? And Kane just turns around ignoring you, and I think the, the end of their tail like slaps your face uh, as they turn around. Uh, and they, they saunter back over to, toward Oka with, with a bowl of soup in hand. Oka somehow manages to hold also the soup in their like armful as they're like, they kind of like drop it all over the table. They obviously aren't packed, you know, like their stuff is everywhere. Uh, and they just kind of like take the soup. Can you be nice? Can you pretend to be nice? I complimented the bird on his soup. What more do you want? Uh, y- yes, uh, Kane, shouldn't we get going soon? We're supposed to meet, well, you, in an hour down at the docks. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I sent missive up ahead. Well, you'll have a boat waiting for you. Don't worry. We can take our time. Anyone want some toast? I'm good at making toast. I'll take some. I'll take some toast. I think at this point, V's a little like <laughs> having a, enjoying this a little too much. I'll have some toast if you don't mind. I certainly don't. Uh, and Kane is going to hop back over to where Dewey is and start bustling about, like sort of like bumping into you, like taking up your space. Are you done with this? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna put this in the sink. Like, are you, is this, are you using this burner? I'm just gonna, <laughs> like, Kane's just gonna, like, start moving stuff around. Like, the world's worst roommate. Yeah, uh, Dewey gives up, gets some soup for himself and, like, goes and sits down at the table. Manai sits down next to Dewey and he's like, good at making toast. We had a toaster back at home that could do better than what they can do. Am I right, Dewey? Yeah. <laughs> I miss all the small conveniences of home. We didn't have many, but what we did have made life just a little easier. I think V under her breath is muttering, people had homes, oh my goodness, it's so spoiled. Hey, Dewey, we take down the URL, maybe we'll rebuild it, make you the, the head of the new research laboratory. Then you could bring technology like that to the whole world. I'm good without all the power. Uh, maybe we turn that place into something that's not a lab. And voila! And Kane sets down a plate of, it's French toast, but the French don't exist. Nabalian toast. Yes, it's Nabalian toast, right? And it's re- it smells really fragrant and uh, flagrant. This squeak goes, it's flagrant, uh, as Kane sets it down. And Kane sifts some powdered sugar over the top. La 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 la, there, enjoy. And also, like, sets down some, like, jam, some jammed up berries and, like, splats it onto the toast. It actually smells and looks really good. Uh, and they slide it into the center of the table. Yeah, V's totally going to get in on that and, like, be, like, you know, cover it in some, uh, some jam and stuff and be like, wow, this is, this is the best Nobelian toast I've ever had. Why, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure it is. It's an old recipe. Meanwhile, V casts message into Rev's head. I feel the better. <laughs> Rev just sort of snorts. Uh, I think I think she's drinking her morning beer, and she like snorts the beer. <clears throat> Are you okay, big lady? <clears throat> I'm fine. I think Oka is like busy over their pile of bullshit papers, where they're deciding what to technically steal from the library of Nabal and what to leave. Uh, and they like I think Kane hands them a slice of toast, and they just like automatically they don't even look at it. They dip it in the soup, and then they eat it, and then they go, ew. What? <laughs> and they put it aside and they keep going over their notes. Okay. Uh, I think the morning's just appropriately chaotic <laughs> with like a lot of things. Like, Kane, Kane makes souffles. 
Dr. Aluso is sort of like standing in a corner, like asking Kane, like how they're making things, but Kane's refusing to tell Dr. Aluso, which is annoying Dr. Aluso. Uh, and Rev is on her second beer. Uh, and then I think as like the, <laughs> as the morning winds down, um, I think it, it's about time to get to, um, it's about time to get to the shores and to head to the docks. Uh, so I think we can just sort of like fast forward, like the, the four of y'all like packing up and like getting ready, like getting down to like the base of the tower, uh, where I think like outside of the tower of risk and reward, like down like the big flagstone steps uh, of of this raised dais that the tower of risk and reward stands upon, uh, we see a uh, ride waiting. Uh, we see, first of all, the first animal that the four of you feast your eyes upon is an elk. Oka, would you like to describe your elk to us? Oka's elk is the same one that they had ridden, uh, that they had rented first and then rode into the carnival. Uh, and they were able to buy it on the cheap because its knees from where it skidded and fell when we were running in the jungle uh, still are not quite repaired. So there's like a small mechanical bracer uh, on one of the knees and they are wrapped in these like thick linens. Um, and its fur is kind of like a, a dark dusky brown that also is like black kind of at the pointed tips. Uh, and it's hitched next to the wagon, uh, which is a small covered wagon. And you can, um, the cover of the wagon is a uh, hide, but also it looks like Oka's fucking two person tent, that piece of shit fabric that everyone slept in for the first six months of this entire campaign is, is part of the tarp now that's over our wagon. It's just like stitched into the canvas. So it's like part of it. So it's kind of like a patchwork of Oka's bullshit fucking tent. And then now it's a, but it's a wagon now. Um, and there are two very beautiful cows, uh, not to be a horse girl right now on Maine, but there are two very beautiful cows. They're called Naguni Sangha cattle, uh, spotted, uh, very, uh, like desert ox type of beautiful cows hitched to, uh, the, to the front of the cart. Uh, and Oka kind of even like runs forward, uh, now that they have all their bullshit packed up finally. And they're like, look, look, that's ours. See, can you see my tent? So we don't forget which one it is. Wow, okay. Did you build it yourself? Uh, sort of. I had them I had them attach it all together because the canvas costs so much fucking gold. And I was like, I have some fabric, so... And now we will always know which one is ours. I see. All V can think about is that night when Dewey and, and Oka were in the tent and, like, chaos was inside and... Dewey appropriately is like, where, where are we going to sleep then? We can sleep in the cart. I made it really nice. Come, come, look. And I think like inside the cart, it is big enough for like one person can lay flat on the seat and two can lay in the middle and another can lay on top, you know? And and, and look, put, look, you can even open up this little compartment. Like Oka's really fucking proud of their cart. Dr. Luza spent a lot of gold on this, so everyone say thank you. Oh, doctor, thank you very much. Oh, uh, of course. I'm sure between Oka's tent and the money that you so graciously offered, we should have a comfortable ride back home. Definitely. Uh, more than my pleasure. I, I've been meaning to actually pay the four of you in a more formal way. This is one step toward that. I suppose your journeys, your travels will be easier now that you actually have a wagon to sleep in and to carry your belongings. I'm grateful that I don't have... When we walked from the, your house to Talamad, that was... Oof, I can't do that much more longer. I'm 110 years old. Come on. 
And I couldn't listen to her complain for one more fucking day. It was really boring. I had to be good for so long. Oh, and, and the sand on my feet. Oh, got all in my boots. My feet are more callous than after four weeks on the ocean. All right then, uh, shall we? And with that, I think your group like piles into the wagon. The, these two beautiful cows, like I think Squeak drives. Squeak like hops into the driver's seat and starts driving the cows. And Oka, you can ride your elk, right? You're riding your elk alongside the wagon. Wonderful. I think Kane is also like riding. Um, I think Kane would ride with you on the elk. Uh, and as Kane passes, you know, like people are like, oh, Kane, champion Kane, you know, like as as this like, you know, wagon and, and the elk like like ride through the streets, like people like follow you, people like wave up at Kane who like waves back, seems to be enjoying all the attention right now that all the trauma has mostly died down. Um, and all of you, including Rev, who's also riding in the wagon. Uh, and I think also like Tonga and Xiaohu. Uh, and uh, I don't think Talat's here, uh, but I think Tonga and Xiaohu would be here, like also in the wagon. They like accompany you all the way back down to Bacchanalia Beach. And just as Kane had promised, there is sort of a large-ish ship uh, sort of uh, strapped to the harbor, to the docks. That's definitely big enough to carry your mounts uh, as well as your wagon. And there's like a big enough gangplank to allow it to go on. So it's a, it's a fairly large ship. There's like other people who are going to ride it like across, like, sort of like a ferry, like across, across... Uh, Ingear Lake to get to, I guess I didn't name it, I, to get to the shores of Brittlefinger Woods uh, that are sort of like in, in the near distance after after you get get off of this island. So I think like as like the, the sailors and the deckhands are like helping get the wagon like onto the ship and like helping like move Oka onto the ship as well with this elk who seems like really like annoyed that it has to go over water. Uh, Oka, how do you calm them down? Oka, they rode the elk before. I think they even just like get off uh, and just lead it by hand. <sighs> and its hooves like clop over uh, the wood and you lead it back onto the ship. Uh, Kane, Xiaohu, and Tonga remain on the shore. Uh, and they like wait until like all of your belongings and the wagon have been like left onto the ship. And I think it's time to say goodbye. Like a formal, a formal goodbye at last. Uh, and I think... I think Rev will also leave you. I think Rev is also on the shore because she's going to return to the court before meeting up with the four of you at the border of Toulon. Well, I suppose this is goodbye for now, says Kane. For now. We'll be back if you cause any fucking trouble. Don't worry. I will keep them in check. So is that voice like a natural thing or... I was born this way, kicked out of my mother's home for having such a mew. When my brothers and sisters went, meow, 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 I went, meow, meow, meow. I feel like you're making that up, Xiaohu. I don't... <laughs> anyway, I'm only going to say this once, so the four of you feast your ears upon this. Thank you. I couldn't have become the person that I'm in the process of turning into. I couldn't have opened my eyes to how awful bloodthirst was without, without the four of you. So, thank you. Dewey's going to go over to Tonga and give her uh, a quiet like goodbye hug and also be like, that's a start. Yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on them. 
We'll see. I'll, I'll write to you, Cardew, with the address uh, that you gave me to Dr. Luce's cabin? Yeah, that's a good place. Okay. You stay safe, Cardew. And don't forget what we talked about on the beach, okay? You... You keep your friends in check. And you keep yours. Don't worry. Promise? And Tonga holds out a hand. Do we... Does the pinky promise? Pinky feather? Pinky feather! So cute. Uh, and then I give Xiaohu like an awkward pat on the back and be like, you Go get him, tiger. Panther. I'm a panther like Tabaxi. Not a tiger. Though my name suggests otherwise. You take care, little man. Guard your hollow bones carefully, Cardew. Thanks. I'll try and do that. Xiaohu nods solemnly. Uh, and Ree sees you off as maybe like that's when you like get get, get on the ship. Uh, who's who's doing goodbyes next? I guess a Vienna Rev. Okay, a Vienna Rev. I'll see you soon. Um, he's like kicking the dirt a little bit, looking down, all blushing a lot. He's like, uh, take care of yourself, and um, you know, don't get into any trouble. I hope to see you soon. I know I'm probably the one who needs to like not get in trouble, but just be safe on your travels. I'll be safe. I'll be fine. The Raven Queen will protect me, and you. You have good friends. And now you have Scott and Nexus. You're a lot stronger than you realize. Visanti. She puts a hand on your shoulder. V like looks to see if like anyone's looking and then just maybe like goes up for a quick goodbye kiss. Yeah, she doesn't let you make it quick. Uh she <laughs> leans down, she kisses you, you know, for like maybe like an obscenely long amount of time. And Kane just goes, <clears throat> uh, yeah, yes, good goodbye, V. V is just like red. Her her white elven skin is like just beet red. She's like, all right, uh, see you. Uh, goodbye, everybody. And like quickly climbs into the back of the wagon and just like finds a nice spot amongst their traveling belongings and stuff. <laughs> Very cute. Okay, I really like that. Um, I mean, let's go to let's go to Manaya uh, for the for the next goodbye. Tonga nods. It was really great to meet you, Manaya. You're very reliable. And me, you. Your adventures will take you far, I'm sure. Oh, thank you. I have to spend a lot of time helping Xiaohu out here now that Ri is regent. Mm, yes. Your presence was always welcome, Manaya. Don't let that power go to your head, all right? I will not. All right then, Xiaohu. Manaya, take care. Hey, and if your axe is ever in need of an upgrade, you know where to look. Thank you for the offer. Of course. And, um, well, with a with a nod, she turns away uh, to Kane. And and she gives Unuhan salute, Champion Kane. It's been uh, <laughs> certainly exciting to, I suppose, travel, fight alongside, and save you. And I wish you all the luck and the grace in the next five years. Thank you, Manaya. I do appreciate that. I'll do my best. And hey, <laughs> what we're doing concerns the whole world. And I hope if it ever comes down to it that we can count on you and your support. 
and I hope we can count on you. All of you. Paragons. We're going to need your help, if it means making things right again. Making things the way they should be. Minaya walks a little bit closer to Kane and start and whispers to them. Oh, and would you give this to Talat? And Minaya gives them a small envelope. Okay. Kane takes it. What you want just to clarify, is it okay if I have someone else go down to the to the jungle? As long as it gets to her. Okay. Don't worry, I'll make sure of it. Thank you. And now I think we go to Oka. Tonga, my favorite girl in all of Nabal. Be good. Oh. Uh, uh, okay, Oka. <clears throat> it was it was really nice to meet you. Uh and uh watch you fight and uh get to know you. So uh stop stop it. Cardu, stop making those faces. What's happening? So, well, I just I just think they're handsome. Okay, that's it. That's it. Uh and Oka gives uh uh Tonga a sweet um goodbye kiss on the cheek, you know. <laughs> so long. Don't pine after me too hard, please, darling. Oh, I I I won't. I'll invent something that will prevent me from doing so. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Good. Siahu. Congratulations. Thank you. Kane? Oka? Oka just kind of rolls their eyes a little uh, and reaches out and just puts their hand on the scar that they now share. And they smile just a little bit and they kind of just like take a few steps back before they just turn all the way around and walk up the gangplank. And Kane calls after you as you like walk up the gangplank. I hope you find what you're looking for in too long, Hoka. I hope you find what you're looking for. I think I will. And I think you will too. Good. Then let that hope carry us through. And I think at this point, like, the gangplank's getting pulled up, you know, and, like, maybe all of y'all are, like, against the railing, except for V, who's maybe still in, <laughs> still in the wagon. Uh, and I think there's a as, like, the, the ship takes off, you know, and it starts, like, going, like, over the waves. Uh, and, like, you see, like, the people on, like, the shore waving at you, you know, with, like, a couple of, like, the championship and regents, like, attendants in the background, like, all waving and waving. And I think more people have, like, gathered on the beach, especially to see off specifically V. And they're like all waving and they're like, goodbye, Paragon. Goodbye, Paragon V. Yeah. They're like cheering and like waving and like seeing you off it as like the people on the shore get smaller and smaller and the stretch of like this like blue uh, lake gets wider and wider. So I think now we have time uh, to really quickly do, I think, like a, a fast travel montage uh, as the four of you make your way through through the heavenly road, through the Jadidan scrublands, as well as the silent grove, and then eventually through the Godspine, and then over the rocky red silt of the Badlands to reach Dr. Elusa's homestead on the edge of the Euclid chasm. Uh, so let's just, let's just, let's do it. Let's do some travel scenes, eh? So why don't the four of you tell me? Uh, where you are during this travel and what y'all are doing as maybe you like wind down and get a chance to talk to each other as well as to Dr. Aluso and uh, Squeak, of course. <laughs> Do you remember when Dewey fell from the sewer? <laughs> hey. You have wings, hey. Dewey. 
How did you even get up there to begin with? That's the question. Like, where did you come from? And when the hell did you ever wake up? I literally opened your mouth and looked into your... There was no Wait, way what? you were waking up. You did what? Nothing. It, it was nothing. I mean, it was... You were asleep. You were. We were all under a magical sleep, and Dewey, you were a fucking sleep, all right? Wait, did you look in my mouth, Oka? No, you woke up, I think, before I did. Just checking. That'd be weird. What happened to you? I dropped in and you were... Bodies? No, no, before all that, how did you get... How did you find us? Long story, we were in the jungle, and then I heard you guys, uh, all of you clowns screaming, um, and I f just followed the noise. <laughs> Wait, what What were you doing in jungle? Uh, big tablet. Oh, yeah, I ran into, uh, V, you'd never guess who I ran into. Um. Yeah, it was Sievert. Uh, Sievert, what? Yeah. Wait, like, and V, or Oka looks between V and Dewey real quick? No, what? Yeah, that's Sievert. Wait, what, what happened? You have to tell me. Uh, he was trying to take this giant stone, ancient stone tablet with his goons and uh, scared him off. But I think he came back and took the thing with him. So that's not great. Wait, did you say you scared him off? Wait, what about the stone tablet? Wait, Dewey, what, wait, 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 no, 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 did you burn his house down? <laughs> I don't know where his house is. Otherwise I would because he's got like this uh, crazy powerful... Thing, I don't know what he's gonna do with it. Wait, but I thought you scared him off. He got it, the tablet? He came back, I think. Or someone did. So, if you ever want to check in with that dude, uh, it's probably a good idea. I don't think they're doing anything good with that. Did you find out his home address so I could burn that down? No, I didn't interrogate him. I was... Look, I'm only... I'm only capable of doing one competent thing a day. And that was scaring him off. Well, next time we see him, we'll have to use that tiara you stole from yeah, Ivy. I still got, uh, like, she pulls it out of her bag and is, like, <laughs> spinning it around her finger. Yeah, this would be a good time. Um, but no, how... You're not very intimidating, so I'm a little curious. How did you scare Sievert? He doesn't exactly scare easily. And you're a fucking coward. I'm... I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh... In like a, a good lovely way. coward. I love a very about you. Yeah, it's you wear it really well. It's yeah, and I learned how to swindle and lie from all of you. So, well, then you've learned from the best. I can't believe you scared Sievert off. It's complicated. He he uh, was a bitch to Tonga. Speaking of which, were you ever going to tell me you were flirting with my best friend, or like I wasn't? I mean, was I just she was flirting with me, Dewey. I, I was just playing along. Uh-huh. Uh, she literally, from the first time... Oh, you were there, when? Dewey. <laughs> you were literally sitting on that elk. When we met, on our way to the jungle. She said I was cute. I can't believe this. What? I am cute. When did you and you... But I thought you and it's, Kate... It's wait. not a... It's not... It's... Uh, Sophie, do you miss Rev? Oh, do I miss Rev? Is the night sky devoid of stars right now in Nandake. Ugh. And be like, <laughs> sits back and, and thinks about Rev some more. Well, hey, when this whole thing's over, we'll have a big reunion with everyone we've met along the way. Do you think we have a big house in the Court of Ravens? I bet you could get a big house wherever you want, V. True. It gets pretty humid in the, up there. 
Oh, you're right. That'd be terrible for my hair. But the bigger you build your house, you could get up kind of high so you could catch the breeze. Or just get Dewey to carry you. <laughs> Dewey doesn't fly. <laughs> I fly more than Dewey does. <laughs> true. That's, That's true. You don't even have wings permanently. They're getting more permanent, though. You should see the scars I have back there now. Are you supposed to have scars back there? It doesn't sound healthy. I think it's Vinash, actually. Because now when I do the use the magic, I only used to have to give up a little bit. You know, blood hunters feed the weave our own life essence to use it. Like a, a, a trade, I guess. But then they just burst out. Like, actual wings. They never really used to do that. I think it's... I think it's Vanash. At least that's my current working theory. Speaking of, did any of you get any leads on possible Paragon? Yes. I have so many, actually. All of the books. Uh, I, I found a journal, uh, and Oka kind of gets up from maybe where we're all like sitting around our campfire or something cute like that, uh, and they like dive into the wagon that they're so proud of still. Uh, and they, Wait, those books were from a library? Yeah, they're from a library. Well, they're mine now. It's not like they were using them. They were in the forbidden section. Nobody ever goes down there anyway. I'm sure we'll be back there at some point to return them. I've been in forbidden sections of libraries before. You can get some good things in those places. <laughs> I'm sure you have the... Oka pulls out the, um, the, the accordion journal. Uh, and they kind of bring it over to everyone. This, I'm fairly certain, is Suhai's journal. Su Suhai? The former paragon of Sen. What it was doing in the Forbidden Library in Nabal, I have no fucking idea. And Oka opens it up, you know? And they, like, pull out all the blank paper. And I don't know... It's a lock with no key, but I'm still trying to figure it out. But if Shuhai was the paragon of Sen, but you can't get Sen until we get Vinash out of you, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know how big it is in there. There's plenty of stuff running around at this point. I'm sure there is. Manai makes a face. But this is good. This is good for finding... Sen, I suppose. It's good for anything. We don't know anything. There's no literature easily available about the Paragons or the Paragon War. It's like somebody tried to erase them off the face of history. Tried to make everyone forget about it, which I don't understand if it was an astronomical fight with god powers. It's confusing. But this should tell us something. A diary is... A diary. V, you're united with Scott and Nectus. Have they, have you gleamed anything from the past? Yes, my former Paragon Ying, uh, we've had dialogue together. Um, Wait, you have? Yes, they were very lovely and they gave me this and like, he just sort of pops up the gamble, uh, the deck of cards and like fans it out and stuff. This is some high powered weaponry here it looks like a plain deck of cards to me and like v's like shuffling it around and getting all fancy with the cards and you know she's dexterous what does it what does it do i've seen you swindle plenty of people with with a deck of cards v this can't be any more than that right i mean i don't think i want to test this and 
you know, right. Why not? <laughs> He's like, um, I, do you really want me to try one of these cars? <laughs> I think at this point, maybe we're in the, uh, like the Southern Talmud deserts and maybe there's like a, a dead tree, just like a, you know, 30 feet away. Hey, go see if you can blow up that tree or something. I mean, I could do that without it. Or see if you can swindle it out of some gold. You know, see see if see if you could do a magic trick to impress it. Or maybe turn it into your girlfriend. I feel personally attacked right now. I feel what? I'm sorry that I'm the happiest I've been in a very long time, but I'm... she. I mean, good on you, V. Well done. Best of all of us, really. Just a piece of advice. Love will find you when you're least, when you stop looking for it, okay? That's what happened to me. I, I stopped seven years. Love was dead to me and here we are, okay? This is, good things can come to you too. Just draw the card, V, stop. Stop dawdling. Okay, V like stands up and like walks away from the group and like <laughs> fanning out the cards to pull out something. Uh, Connie, should I pull one of these out here? Yeah, you should go go for it. All right, just go with this one. The lovers. Ooh. So all of a sudden, uh, mirror image is cast, and three uh, three V's pop up in front of her, and they move exactly as she does. As she's w moving through the space, they all follow her, and. Um, you know, after a while, she's like, look, there's three of me. And like, there's like, now there's four, like shouting that at once. And she's like, shh. And the, you know, it's all shh. And finally she's like, too much, too much V, too much V. And like snaps her fingers and they all like dissipate. So, and then she like takes gamble. She does like one quick, like spread out and, and then like lets it poof in the air. She's like, well, that's just a little bit of something that's I could do now. Wow, this fire V. I can barely stand one of you. Oh, thank the gods there aren't more. Uh, does that mean there would be uh, three, eight, nine, ten, eleven paragons if we cast more of you? You know... That would fuck up the world. I wish I understood the magic a little bit better than I do, but I'm kind of with you. I'm just as surprised as you are by what happens when I pull these cards. But if you make four more Vs, then we'll have eight Paragons, and we can just finish this right away, huh? Yeah, but no, 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 not... <laughs> I don't, I'm not Paragon for every god. You don't want to start throwing gods. What am I, Oka? Hey, I resent that. I don't just let any god into me, okay? Only the best, only the top quality, and I get, I get a two-for-one deal with me. Hey, 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 who is the one here who blew up an entire ship? Hmm. And that's not even my god. And that hurt like a bitch, by the way. Remember what we told you a long time ago, Oka, about not hurting yourself? I... V, I've tried to explain to you all a lot of times, blood hunting is specifically about feeding your own life. It's like, it's like the weave is alive. It's an animal. You have to feed it yummy snacks in order to get it to do tricks. That's, that's how it works. I've cast a lot of magic in my time. I've never had to sacrifice my blood to the weave. I'm just saying there's healthier options out there for you, Oka. Just... Maybe my blood's just a little sweeter than yours, V. <laughs> uh, v says something to Jukai for like the first time in front of them. <laughs> and you asshole speak, Jukai. Do Dr. Elusa looks up and says, V. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, you... They were picking on me. I, even though they weren't, we were picking on Oka, but I know. Just, oh, this feels nice, doesn't it? Well, Oka, if you spend enough time with Vanash, you might be able to find a way to draw some power out of them without hurting yourself. Who knows? Who knows? We have a few tests to run once we get back to, uh, once we get back to the cabin. For sure. Speaking of the cabin, Doctor, you said the cabin was destroyed? What happened? Are you, is everyone all right? Ah, yes, uh, everyone is fine. It was partially, well, the roof and the walls. Yes, the, the cabin, my, yeah, it was destroyed. Uh, there was a massive wave of force that just blasted out uh, from the Euclid uh, over the entirety of, of the Badlands. I think it might have even reached... I, I didn't manage to stick around and survey it, but it might have even reached Solmanad. That was how intense and far-reaching that blast was. Oh. I was able to throw up a shield at the last moment and, and protect the people involved. The, the Kui, the Hoofbright clan, you remember them. Uh, as well as uh, your parents, uh, Napua and Kahealani. And Squeak, of course. So, do you know where it came from? If it's a wave, we can... All waves ripple from a source. It... <clears throat> The wave also partially destroyed my machine uh, that's been sensing these tremors. I have to take a little bit of time to repair it. I'm afraid I won't be able to accompany you too, too long because of that. Uh, but once the machine is repaired, I think I can locate the source uh, of where the wave came from. Though I have a suspicion it, it originated from deep within the Euclid, which is odd. Yes, but, but where in the Euclid? The Euclid spans for hundreds of miles. And Dr. Lusso just points down deep within the core of the earth. That's my hypothesis anyway, and then my machine fritzed out, so I, I can't confirm it, but once I repair my machine, we'll be able to take a look. After your excursion to too long, of course. What do you think that means? What do I think it means? Well, remember what I told you when you first came to my homestead all those months and weeks ago about me tracking these anomalies, these surges in magical activity. Before the cataclysm, they all seemed to originate from the chasm. But the cataclysm didn't. It came from everywhere and nowhere at once, including the chasm, but I don't know. It has to be related somehow. It's as if the planet is rebelling against the vanishing. <laughs> Something like that. Like the raven's eye, isn't it? A little bit. Who knows, there might be an intertemporal rift down there, too. I have no idea. Andake is a strange mother. <laughs> but we love her anyway, don't we? For the time we were staying at your place, maybe Dewey can help you fix your machine, eh? Oh. Yeah, I want to know anything that machine can tell us. That would be wonderful. I would love it if you could take a look at my machine. Uh, when we have the free time, of course, Cardu. Uh, sorry, Dewey. I would always appreciate another inventor, another artificer, down there, uh, extra pair of hands. It's been a while since I worked on something uh, that wasn't... A weapon? Combat-based? Yeah. Yes, well, my machine is not a weapon, it's just there to sense things. Uh, it resembles a large uh, auger uh, drilled into the center of the earth. I, I did my best to make sure that I uh, excavated an area of the chasm where uh, that wasn't anybody's habitat or home. What lives down there? Oh, 
Hoofdark clan? Several other kinds of beasts, people, monsters? Uh, the deeper you go, the stranger the life gets. You can find some real fun beasties in the Euclid. Dangerous ones. Vicious monsters. But vicious by whose standards? That's their home. Uh, speaking of, Dewey, <laughs> why didn't you ever tell us that you'd been to Nabal before? You trained champions? I didn't train, no. Uh, I mean, you heard what happened. I. It's not a place filled with fond memories. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure all of you have places uh, we're going to visit that maybe aren't. I don't know. We've all had bad experiences. And I don't expect our travels to go around them. And at that, I think Oka stares off to the, I'm also looking at the map, uh, to the south, uh, where like just like in the far, far distances of, of the desert, you can start to see little green hills rolling up, which is the border of too long. And they just stare off there quietly, I think, like finishing the rest of their cigarette. Well, if it's any consolation when you're as old as I am, there's pretty much everywhere in Dake that you don't have some type of terrible memory. That is a lot less comforting than you make it out to be, B. Well, look how I turned out. I'm a pentagon, so it's, you know, it was worth it. A lot of good memories. Maybe I should start taking after you. Uh, if you're doing this well. I think you only need one v Nakshurzo in your life. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Oh, but we do need you, don't we? I mean... Who would have thought so many months ago that, oh, that I'd be someone of value to your party. And more than just monetary. Right? I haven't even joined any cults or started any cults in months. That is decidedly untrue. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I do sometimes wonder what the odds are. The four of us happening to be in the same place, the same time. When everything happened, circumstantially four paragons and all of Andake converge in its stupid little hill, watch the world end. I used to not believe in fate, but uh, here we are. Well, maybe it's all thanks to you, Doc, isn't it? We were all looking for you. Maybe, maybe you're our guiding star. The thing that brings us all together. Oh. Oh, I wouldn't. I don't, I don't know if I... Oh. And the four of you see like a little flush appear on Dr. Luso's face. I think they were reading, you know, and they... <clears throat> and they like nervously like, like close the book at that. And that's when Squeak comes, uh, calls from like the camp she's been setting up. Dinner's ready, you ungrateful worms. Come here and eat. I offered to help, and you turned me away. Well, you should have offered more and harder. And look at Squeak working so hard slaving over this soup as the five of you just talk and chatter. Trust me, you don't want my help. If you want to rob someone of 50 gold pieces, call your friend V. You want a gourmet meal? Trust me, you don't want to eat what I prepared for you. Okay, then V, you're stuck on dish duty. Uh, Squeak, don't you have that self-washing- Shh! 
No, I don't. You're stuck on dish duty, V. It's a good thing I'm good with my hands. These are my most important gift. When did you think Scott and Nectus would ever be washing dishes in the middle of the Jaheed Scarblands? Yeah, I'm a paragon. I can't do dishes. You're letting the power go to your head, V. You're letting it go to your head. <laughs> and she uses a minor illusion to, like, make thunderbolts come out of her hands. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, okay, maybe on that. The four of you converge around like this, like, you know, this pot of soup. That squeak has been making the stew. You eat it's vegetarian uh, for duty's sake. Um, but it's it's really yummy. And I think, you know, I think like later that night, you know, you rest and then you pack up the next morning uh, to head the rest of the way back to Dr. Eluso's homestead. So if it's OK with you, let's fast forward to when we arrive at the homestead, if that's OK. Okay, uh, I think this covered wagon drawn by these two beautiful desert oxen, like with spotted hide, you know, and these like big, beautiful horns, these big, baleful eyes are just sort of like walking and like chugging this wagon along with Oka riding astride their elk nearby. When finally sort of like surfacing on the horizon, you see the edge of the Euclid chasm, this massive wound in the flesh of the Badlands, sort of jagged all the way down. Uh, I think you'd been following it for a little while now uh, to the uh, to the east of you now I see a little rocky outcropping where you see Dr. Luso's home uh, it looks pretty much how you remember except the roof has a couple of tiles missing and there's a, a big muscular woman on the roof like you could just sort of see her like banging down like the last of the tiles like like repairing <laughs> Dr. Luso's home as Kahialani is sort of like up there like on a ladder and like fixing it um, because her shipbuilding expertise definitely comes in handy when it comes to carpentry and repairing homes as well. Uh, Napua is out front actually feeding the chickens a scattering feed like in, in the coop uh, and you see like a Several Kui are sort of like hopping along and like kicking, kicking like a big rock. Uh, I think they get that they lower their their horns and they like hit the rock with their horns and they they're sort of playing like a kind of Kui, like rock ball of some sort. Uh, when the wagon comes rolling up with these big plumes of dust like kicked up and red dust, and you just sort of see buttes, you know, um, and like valleys and gorges like splayed out like all across uh, uh, to the west. As this wagon approaches, Kahelani stops. You hear the hammering, like, stop as she sort of, like, shields her eyes against the sunless sky uh, at the light and looks down. Hey! Welcome back! Banaya greets them in Wuhan. Hello, mother, father. We've returned. Banaya, it is so good to see you. I knew Dr. Elusa would return you, safe and sound in one piece. And she starts, like, climbing down the ladder, uh, and your father f finishes scattering the last of the feed, sort of pets the head of, like, a kid, Kui, who's bouncing nearby, and also hustles over. So Kahayalani and Napua greet uh, the six of you, including Dr. Elusa and Squeak, uh, as this wagon draws to a like, draws to a stop, right, like, by by the edge of this of this homestead. And I think now, like, the five of you start, like, piling out of the wagon and, like, saying goodbye. Kahilani walks up to you, Manai, and just wraps you up in a big hug. And Napua wraps you up as well, as their two parents hug you. Oh, Manaya, we're so glad you're safe. And I'm glad you're safe. I heard there was an earthquake? Something? Ah, uh, yes. Hitsaga didn't try to explain it to us. Didn't quite make too much sense. It's related to the cataclysm, as far as we're concerned. But... We're able to repair the home, and according to them, there shouldn't be another one for a while. That—that uh, That is true, though I do have to get my machine repaired to make sure that that data is correct. Right. 
why don't you all go inside to get started on that? Manai turns to the rest of the party. Yeah, I think Oka is taking care of the elk. Uh, they are bringing the ox around to like the stable, you know, uh, to unhitch, uh, to brush all the animals down, to put them in their pen- pens, homes, stalls, etc. So Oka's on horse girl duty. V just like, I guess I don't have any. Okay, wh- what do I need to do? I think Dewey's uh, dragging giant trunks of like everyone's suitcases out of the back of the wagon. He's like, y- you can give me a hand here. V cast mage hand. <laughs> That's fine. All right, all right, hold on. And mage hand goes away and V starts picking up pieces of luggage. You asked for a hand, not for two. Manaya, who could easily carry everything, is too absorbed with her parents. Yeah, maybe let's zoom in on that scene with your parents, as like uh, V and uh, Dewey are carrying luggage and Oka's taking care of the animals. <sighs> Manaya, what, what happened? Hitagiden said something about just uh, a dist- you not checking in and they were worried, something about a carnival. Oh, it was... <clears throat> it was nothing, really. It, just a little bump on our journey, but us Waiduas, we're too strong to really succumb to that kind of thing, eh? That's right, daughter, we are. But you know it's not weakness to admit when you need help, Manaya. I thought we were the leaders. We don't need help. We help the others. And that's what I did. Kahilani and Napua glance at each other. Uh, and Napua sort of like rests a hand on your shoulder. Uh, the sort of like copper scales on his, his neck, like glistening a little. Uh, Manaya, what happened? The carnival showed all of us these horrible visions. You too were there, and Mum was there too. But I made it through. I'm strong. You are strong, Manaya. You've always been strong. A strong little girl. But... You can also be soft. The two aren't... They're not mutually exclusive. I know. But... At that point, they needed... Tell me to do a deception roll. Literally whatever you want. This is all a lie. But at that point... They needed a leader. And V, as you might have heard, is the paragon, and she brought us out of the carnival. And I made sure we were all safe afterwards. Okay, roll deception. I think this is the first roll of the session I've called for, by the way. (laughs) I'm your strong little girl, never wavering in the face of danger. Six. Okay. Ka- I'm keeping that. Yeah. Oof. Kahilani and Napua, like, both sort of nod slowly. Uh, and Napua says, Manaya, why don't we, uh, why don't we go inside? Yeah? I'm, I'm sure there's a lot you'd like to catch us up on, and there's a lot your mother and I would like to catch you up on as well. Right. It's, uh, it's a little hot out here. Yes. Yes, it is a little hot. It's dry heat. Not like the nice, humid heat we get down south. 
Right, right. I think with that, like, Napua and Kahialani lead you indoors, but they're both, like... I think you can tell on their faces they don't entirely buy what you're saying, but they, like, don't really know how to talk to you. Like, there's, like, this kind of, like, hesitation. Like, they both clearly love you a lot, but, like, you know, like, they're both, like, they're, like, looking at each other, and they they don't quite know what the right words to say are in this moment as they, like, lead you, lead you into the, into the home. Uh, and maybe, like, uh, on this, we sort of, like, see, like, Dewey and V, like, also bringing all the luggage, like, indoors. And Oka, you've you've taken care of the animals. You've, you've hitched them up to the various uh, little, like, stalls that I think Dr. Lusso has, like, behind the house. And you can also, like, join everyone indoors as well at this point. So why don't the four of you tell me uh, to start to, like, round off the session and round off arc three. Why don't you tell me, like, how you spend the rest of the night and maybe, yeah, the rest of the night. Oka takes a lot of pains to take care of the animals. Uh, they have been, they will, they pulled, they walked us all the way here from Nabal. So Oka like gives each and every one of them like a long bath uh, and asks, uh, maybe like barters with Squeak, like they argue with Squeak for a little while where they're like, Squeak, you can't charge me 16 gold pieces that I'm just going to ask Dr. Aluso for, for the ointment. You, you just give it to me. You know, uh, and the argument goes on and on. Uh, but they like rub uh, all the animals down with ointment, uh, get them situated, kind of awkwardly like waving at the quay, who last they left off were not on because of my legendary negative one deception roll. If, if I could shut in, I think whenever like you near the quay, they all go moo, moo until you like leave and then like the moving dies down. But if you get closer, they go moo, moo until, until you get out. It's like a minefield of mooing. And Oka's just like, please, my and the elk and the and the uh, the cat, the cattle are like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but they take a lot of pains with the animals and they they come back in uh, and, you know, wash their hands and feet off, uh, eat with some people. And then they would start going over Dr. Luso's like books and shit, you know, just, just looking around. Totally. Uh, what about Dewey? I think Dewey's going to help Dr. Luso, like going to assess the situation with the machine, uh, maybe point them in a direction of where to start repairing it. And then once they're occupied, he's going to like go up to Dr. Luso's study and kind of poke around for books on uh he's gonna take a crack at um figuring out this wash stuff okay so i think dr lusa told you uh car dewey it'll it'll be a whole thing to go down to the machine it's it's pretty far down in the chasm how about for the rest of the night i, I can give you the plans that i drew up of the machine so you can familiarize yourself with this architecture uh, but for the rest of the night, why don't you wind yourself down? My study is open for use if you would like to poke around in there, etc. So I don't think you'd be able to physically, because it'll be like a whole scene, like to like to go down to the machine and like to get there. Yeah. So I think like for the rest of the night, like you can just sort of like poke around in, in his study. Um, and yeah, both you and Oka would see in Dr. Luso's study, which is sort of like off, I think on the second floor of their home. Um, it's really messy, but it seems to be organized in a specific way. It's like, it's like, intentional mess 
right? There are clumps of like papers and like book stacks. And it, it, you get the feeling that no one except Dr. Luso would be able to find something very quickly in here. Uh, and there are like several desks with different kinds of like work scattered about it. Like one of the, they seem to be organized by subject matter. Like one of the desks pertains to like astronomy and like has star maps. And like another desk is about biology and there's like autopsy. You see like an autopsy sketch uh, of the of the shadow hand creature that you captured for Dr. Luso way back in arc one. Like you see like a sketch of it, like bisected uh, and like, like cut through the side. You see like a sketch of the soul sack, like done with like detailing and like, like it's been tagged, etc. cetera. So, like that's another desk and like yet another desk is like inventions, like little gears and like, um, uh, screws and vials and attachments that um, are related to their uh, sensory machine that they have like uh, deep within, within the Euclid. So, Oak and Dewey, are the two of you looking for anything in particular? I'm looking for God stuff. I'm looking for mechanical stuff. Yeah, uh, you both of you get tons of God and mechanical stuff, so I won't even make you roll for it. You can each ask me, like, maybe, like, two questions that you might have about anything, and I'll say if Dr. Luso's notes have any answers. Can we hold on to those to maybe, like, message you, pr- like, later on? Yeah, totally. So let's just say, like, the two of you are able to find some research and we can, like, deal with what that means, like, in the break between arcs, let's say. Maybe come back to the interlude with some extra knowledge. Uh, v, how are you spending the rest of the evening? Uh, I think V is spending some time with those chickens that, you know, she loves so much from arc one. Uh, but she has probably in her hands that she's sort of twirling around a black feather from Rev. Aw, so cute. You're hanging out with the chickens. One of them is missing, uh, but the chickens are sort of... And, like, one, like, very sweet hen comes up to you and, like, is, like, looking at you, turning its head as you consider this feather. Yeah, I think she's just lost in contemplation of, like... It's, like, just finally de-stressing about, like, everything that happened in the carnival, the, you know, images of fireballing her dead mother and and standing up to her father she's never met like all those are like in there and then like just the image of rev sort of like being just like a nice soothing solve over all of that oh i really like that and you're like turning this feather over that's very sweet and of course manaya how are you spending the rest of your evening presumably with your parents right yeah i think it's a rather pleasant evening with her parents uh, kind of dodging the topics that maybe they want to approach um, until maybe the second night. Okay, yeah. I think your parents are also, like, easing off on questions for you this evening, just sort of, like, enjoying your presence and, like, glad that you're safe and that you're home. Uh, and I think that's how, like, the first the first evening goes. Uh, and I think if we could maybe just do a quick, like, one-week montage of, like, what what you do as you, like, relax and take a break, right, before heading heading south uh, through the Godspine again and into the kingdom of Tulong, right? Uh, so let's start, let's start with Manaya, actually. Let's, let's go in reverse order. So, Manaya, how do you spend the rest of this week just, like, relaxing and resting at Dr. Eluso's? And I think you would be sleeping in the barn, uh, like, the barn that's, like, beyond the chicken coop where you slept like arc one i think night two there's yelling coming from the room that kahelani and apu are staying in um three voices them two and manaya um manaya is the one yelling though i don't know if her parents would yell back she's not angry but she's sad and i think 
uh, this is, you know, we're missing dinner. And so maybe y'all are in the common room kind of overhearing this as Manaya yells about them like, you raised me to be strong. You raised me to be an adventurer like you, uh, the perfect sailor with perfect leadership skills. I'm just trying to be like you. Uh, and I think like everyone can hear, like it's really awkward. Like you're all down there, like with like chopsticks over like your rice, and like you can hear the shouting from up. And like you all hear sort of like Kahilani's muffled voice go, We raised you the best way we thought you needed, but we never wanted you to be exactly like us, Manaya. That's right, Manaya, we only ever wanted you to be yourself. But who am I but your daughter? You are our daughter, Manaya, and we love you. But you're more than just who you came from. You're more than just the stories your father and your mom and I told you ever since you were a child. You're you. You're Manaya. What does that mean? Every time I'm faced with a difficult decision, all I can think about is what would mother do? What would father do? What would mom do? Well... Not what would I do. I don't know who I am. That's okay, darling. That's fine. It takes years to figure out who you are and to grow into the kind of person you want to be. But it's been years. And I'm so sorry. Your mother, your mom, and I, we are so sorry we couldn't be there for you, Manaya, to help you through that. Maybe if we were there, you wouldn't... Napua, Manaya, we can't answer that for you. Only you can. The kind of woman you want to be, that's up to you. It's in the decisions you make. It's in the things you do. It's in the way you present yourself to the world, the thoughts you carry, the ones you strike down and the ones you let grow. These are all things that determine who you are. But no matter what, Manaya, we still love you. There's no wrong way to be you. At this, maybe there's some muffled crying and the creaking of floorboards as she... Uh, walks up to hug them, and still crying, I think she storms down the stairs into the common space, doesn't meet anyone's eyes, grabs a bowl of plain rice, no, none of the toppings or anything, and maybe a little bit hastily walks out of the door to the barn to eat alone. And the rest of the week plays out, I think, rather normally. Manaya refuses to talk about that night. And maybe she's just a little bit more distant from her parents than normal, although she does have a lot of friendly conversation with her parents, with you three, with the doctor, Squeak. And I think at a few points, maybe she approaches Oka and talks to them about, you know, how do you care for animals? She's never learned how to do this kind of stuff, and it's, it, it comforts her to know that she's caring for another life. Yeah, Oka will teach Manaya what they know, you know, and give them pointers, uh, give her pointers and not say anything, but just in the way that they are around Manaya are just guiding her through whatever she wants to be guided through. All right. Lovely. I think your parents do try to like make, make, make it up to you. They, they're like, they treat you like extra kindly, like very softly, you know, like to make it clear that they are not holding that argument against you in any way. And they, I think they try to initiate deeper conversations several times but like you probably shut that down right like you're not you don't want to talk well yeah it's not a shutdown more of a deflection of like 
turning it into a joke, laughing about it, moving on. Totally. Okay, and I think after like a couple of times, the Pooh and Pahilani realize they're not going to get anywhere with you, uh, but they both seem a little antsy. Like, they don't want to leave. They don't want you to go off to too long without talking about this more, but, you know, it seems like they've like resolved that that's what's going to happen, and maybe like after coming back from too long, perhaps you'll be more willing to talk about things. And yeah, I think like on probably like the night before your departure, like before you go to bed, like I think like Napu and Kahelani like are at the barn and they like call up into the loft where you're like getting ready to bed. Uh, and Napua says, uh, Manaya, you there? Your mother and I want to talk to you. Do you have a minute? Please? Oh, uh, there's a long pause before Manaya goes, oh yes, of course, be right down. She climbs down. Manaya, you climb down, and Napua and Kahelani sort of lead you out by the chickens, where there's a little bit of, like, privacy, and it's just the chickens clucking and pecking at feed. Um, and Kahelani says, Manaya, we know you have to go tomorrow to too long, and we probably won't see you for at least another couple of weeks. So we just, your father and I just wanted you to know that we love you. And we hope that you're able to find some answers for yourself while you're in the kingdom. Dr. Luso has informed us uh, that you have access to a scrying bowl, so if you ever need to talk to us, we're we're here. The rules are reversed then, huh? When I was young and you three kept going off onto the seas. That is one way of looking at it, certainly, Manaya. But there is a difference. You'll always come home. We'll always be here. We promise. And Wairua never breaks her promise. That's right. Oh, come here, you. And Kahelani pulls you into a hug, and so does Napua. Nobody's behind them to see, but Manaya's smile fades as she hugs them. And her eyes look off into the distance. It's up the starless sky. Okay. I think that's a good place to pause, like, Manaya's rest. Who wants to go next? Oka will be doing a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of note taking, like copying Dr. Luce's inert notes into their own journal, trying to do anything that will occupy them with like reading, history, like brushing up on all the texts that just like suddenly come back to them, you know, like reading them in common instead of to you, you know, like, like bringing all of it back, just also in an effort to not think about where they're going. Uh, and as each day goes on, like they spend less and less time out of the study uh, and they are antsier. Like they'll just like grab their food, eat it really fast and then go back up. Uh, and I think there are like one or two nights where they accidentally fall asleep in the study instead of actually getting back to the barn. Uh, and they just like wake up and keep going uh, like hardcore trying not to think about what they're doing. Uh, and then also doing anything with Dr. Aluso about their soul stuff, but maybe that doesn't go anywhere since Vasca is not here. So I think on the fourth night where you sort of like fall asleep, you know, like you're doing, yeah, blah, maybe you're like drooling a bit over like Dr. Aluso's notes. Uh, you're sort of like gently woken up by something like soft being put over your shoulders. Uh, and it's Dr. Luso like draping a blanket over you. And they and the smell of like a, a nice invigorating tea. A, so a soothing tea. 
Oka flinches, you know, as the blanket gets put down on them. Like, they, they jolt up, uh, and their hand goes to the hilt of their sword, and they remember where they are. Ah, ah, sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to. It's quite all right. Uh, Oka, you should take better care of yourself. You've been falling asleep in my study. Zoned out over my notes for the past three nights. Uh, uh, sorry, I can, I can get over your hair. I'll just take this to the barn, and that way when I fall asleep, I'll, I'll, I'll be out of your hair. It's, it's fine. I just want to get through all this. Uh, Oka, wait. I, I actually wanted to talk to you about something. I'm worried about your, uh, well, I, I just want to make sure this is your rest week, Oka. I, I, I want you to rest. Yeah, yeah, I'm resting, Oka says with huge bags under their eyes, looking disheveled. You can take my texts with you to read on the road, but for the rest of the week, you I'm 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 putting my foot down, Oka. You are you're not going to get to do any more research. Doc, how would you feel if I came into your house and told you that you can't do any more research? You said it yourself. We have only a few months until the cat the the real cataclysm happens. We we have to be ready. Well, we can't be ready if we're half dead and running only on two hours of sleep a night. Oka, you're doing no one any favors by working yourself into an early grave. But neither are you. Well, I'm... I'm... I'm different. How are you different? You're not different. I... Well, I, I have... I have access to medicine that helps me stay up. Yeah, and I'm a paragon. Well, you've got the wrong god inside of you, Oka. Well, you have... Uh... Uh... Your eyes are going blue again. Oh. Yes, it must be because I'm been spending more time here in the Euclid again. Stop trying to change the subject, Oka. No, that, fine. If you won't accept my terms on the basis of logic, then I shall simply have to put down my other foot as well and say I forbid you. These are my research materials, and I forbid you from going over them until, until you rest. Okay, if I take one day to go horseback riding with, with Manaya tomorrow, will you... Will you, will you lift your feet up? You have to go horseback riding, and you have to come home at a reasonable hour and go to sleep at a reasonable hour. Can I help it that I don't like to go to sleep? I'm very sorry about that, Oka. I am. But even with the nightmares, you'll still wake up physically rested, and that's what we need. Fine. 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 Okay. And I think the next day you go horseback riding with Benaya. And you, I think, do you, like, follow Dr. Luso's instructions? Yes, I do, begrudgingly. And they make a big fucking deal out of it. Like, at breakfast, they are pouting. Okay, fantastic. Uh, but you do feel better. You do feel better because of Dr. Luso putting both feet down. And they, like, reluctantly let you continue researching for the rest of, for, like, the remaining day. Uh, now that you've, like, actually had a chance to catch up on sleep. And I think that's where we, like, find you up in the loft when uh, Kahilani and Apua, like, call Manaya down at, like, the end of the week before your last, before your last night. Okay, was there something you wanted to do? Or can we, like, skip over that? I think just the only detail is as Manaya goes down, Oka's jaw kind of tightens. And they look away, they roll over onto their, like, onto their cot. Uh, and they pull out that photograph of their family for wave from arc two and they look at it like at the singed edges you know where it had been burned and torn and 
they kind of just look at it for a long time uh, and they fall asleep that way. That's all. Oh, that's very sweet. And Manaya and Oko, why don't you both take a point of inspiration? So sweet for your scenes. Uh, and now let's do Dewey. Dewey, how do you spend the, the this rest of your week? Yes, pun intended. Dewey's going to, of course, help Dr. Lusa with the machine. Um, tinkering around. Um, but outside of that, he spends his time kind of in like the, the scrublands, the bush uh, around the cabin, not necessarily in the house. Um, he's like uh, tink tinkering with his watch um, behind some like, I don't know, dry shrubs or like uh, he's sitting on like a ledge in the Yukon chasm, um, like on the edge of the chasm. Um, just because like he's messing around with a bomb and if it blows up, He's not going to, it shouldn't be in the house. Um, otherwise, like the only times you really see him are like, uh, I think Oka sees him when he's in the study looking for materials, research materials, and also at like meals. Everyone does find like, you'll find like little slips of paper, like um, when he goes through his notes, his research notes, any like little snippets of things related to gods not that there's much um he'll like tear off and slide under oka's door or like um uh stuff about like the the copper stewards um he finds in his research he tucks under like v's door and then sometimes when i will find like um old like weathered scraps of his notebook paper that have like lines in letters that he's written to his daughter but hasn't sent you don't see much of him. I really like that. I'd give you a point of inspiration, but you're already full up, uh, Dewey. That's that's lovely. Uh, and I think just very quickly about the machine, Dr. Reluso would have taken you down like the, the this like winding, these like switchbacks that go all the way down, down, down along, sort of like similar to like when you met the Hoofbite Bright clan, but even farther down until like you reach this sort of like hole in the wall that looks like man-made, like drilled. You go through this hole and you go down like a series of tunnels. Like Dr. Luso has like a torch out. You go down, 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 down again until you open up into like an underground cavern uh, that just looks to be like a gigantic tunnel. It's like just, like a cylinder is punched through. And you see a massive, like just like how Dr. Luso described, like a massive auger sort of in like the center of this chamber. And you sort of like, you know, there's like another like 25 feet until the bottom and there's like stone stairs drilled into the edges of the wall. Uh, and this massive auger looks like it's like sparking a little and it looks defunct. Like uh, these like um, tubes that Dr. Luso explains glows when the uh, and the runes that like etched along the blades of the auger would usually glow if it's up. But the runes are currently like down. They're like not glowing. And Dr. Luso like leads you down to this dashboard at the base of the auger. It's a huge. It's like almost reminds you of like a tower uh, of risk and reward, but like a lot smaller than that. Right. But that's sort of how it's shaped and it goes all the way up. Um, and they like Dr. Luso shows you to this dashboard, which has like a bunch of like technological like fiddly things and like readouts and whatnot. Um, and they they mentioned that they built this uh, in in their youth a couple couple years back. I think like 20 years ago or something i have to be don't quote me on this but it's around like two decades or so ago um, but looking around a uh, cardu something you notice about this chamber is it it looks older than 20 years but dr luso is pretty insistent that it was just about two decades ago that she built this thing did you drill the hole this was this uh place always here this cavern uh, no no i excavated it myself 
Yes, just about uh, 20, 20 so years ago, probably a couple years more than 20. Uh, yes, I, I opened up a, drilled a hole in through, I drilled the entire tunnel system that we took all the way down here. It took me a while, at least a year of work to just excavate this entire chamber. And then of course I built the machine. Is, is something the matter, Cardu? Uh, why this spot? Well, it's far enough down that this machine can get enough of a readout, uh, but it's not. It's also not so close to the surface that it'll, well, cause a collapse or a landslide or something. It just felt like the right place. Hmm. I did a little bit of a mapping and discovered that this area was was a good area to to drill out a hole and not cause a collapse anywhere. It looks like the edges are like eroding. That shouldn't happen for a couple more years. It's twenty years is pretty fast for rock to be. Doing that. Oh, I, I have noticed that as well myself. I suppose I never really took that into too much consideration. I wasn't exactly looking at the rock every time I came down here. Uh, maybe it's an effect of the magic? All right, well, let me see that machine. All right. And I think Dr. Lisa like, shows, you, shows you the ropes around the machine. And then like we find you again, like settling in for a bed, like in the barn, right? As like Oka sort of turns away and after Manaya returns from like her talk with her parents outside. And now we're going to go to V real fast. V, how do you rest this week? V appreciates some of the chromatic dragons and like any lore that uh, maybe gets slipped into there. But I think V is actually also going to be looking through Dr. Luso's maps of the Godspine and pulling up memory from many, many decades ago is kind of trying to map out maybe some of the places that she investigated a long, long time ago looking for her father. And trying to like, you know, this is where she and her mother grew up and this is like where she would have explored from and just kind of going back and forth trying to to pinpoint maybe where in the God's spine she uh, ended up throughout her explorations. Okay, yeah. You're like trace your finger along this like map of the God's spine and you're like, I'm pretty sure that's where... I thought, you know, my father's den would be, but I didn't find anything, you know, like over here's where I like went looking, but I was attacked by like trolls or something, you know, like you're like mapping like all the way, like through this, like this, this parchment, right? Mm-hmm. Is there anything, is there anything else you do? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of times where, especially at night, maybe she goes out and just, I think, I don't think there's anything too particular she is trying to do other than that. Um, yeah, I think she just sort of, you know, it's she's very internal right now. She's trying to figure out, like, who she is anymore. Like, what what does all of this mean for her? Um, she's Oh, she's also going to maybe send some messages, perhaps in sort of a thieves' cant uh, out in the world to maybe some people who may be able to uh, help their their next endeavor. Okay, I really like that. Uh, maybe you're you're writing this this missive, uh, and you 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 send it out. Um, maybe like via like a, a post postal like system or something. We can figure out the exact details later. We love the United Andake postal system. We love them. I think maybe like we also find you like setting down for bed, like that final evening, right? Like up 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 in the barn and it's all it's the four of you and you're like you're settling down for rest you know like swaddled up in your like your bed rolls right like finally resting your weary heads getting ready for the final sleep before you embark on your journey toward the border of too long 
And to wrap up arc three, that evening, the four of you have a nightmare. It's a familiar nightmare by now. A vision you've surmised of perhaps the stranger war so many millennia ago. The nightmare of just the eight of you standing on a bloodied, battered battlefield, strewn with corpses, these globules of monsters falling from the sky, leaking from the gigantic crimson eyes that are just spanning the entire horizon and blotting out the the, the rays of Galtanger. And it, the stranger, towering taller than the world, wings and eyes just flung about as it spawns these horrific monsters that have been decimating your armies. It's just the eight of you left. And Ying, you turn to your left, sort of wringing your hand, uh, and you, 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 you draw a card from the top of the deck of risk and reward, and you mutter Gamble's name as you flip it over. Uh, you turn to your left and you lock eyes with uh, a pair of completely black scleras uh, of, of a human person, as far as you can tell, with just like midnight black skin, like completely black skin that goes all the way down. Um, and their hair is just white and it's sort of pulled back up into this like ponytail that like splays all the way down. Uh, and they, as far as you can tell, are not dressed in anything. They're just sort of like completely made of shadow, it seems. And Ying, you turn to Shuhai, who like nods at you, right? Um, and they sort of like make a hand gesture and like some sort of wheel spins open, like a wheel of light spins open in the middle of their chest uh, as the, the edges of their shadowy form begin to transform as they start to grow, get elongate, and like grow these horns, right? And like grow multiple legs as they start to turn into like a ginormous shadow dragon. Um, and Shuhai uh, sort of lifts into the air and starts like flying toward one of these eyes, uh, passing by a uh, passing by Ikaika, uh, this sort of like bearded dwarven woman uh, who is sort of like I think she she's like falling through the atmosphere, like wielding a leomano, which is sort of like a shark tooth like weapon, and she's like ah like shouting as she like bam like hits the ground with like a massive force and like I think a crater is created where she lands and she just like completely destroys like just like a group of shadow beasts with this like poof, giant like shark tooth weapon like slamming into the ground and from from where she created this like like massive crater a, poof, a literal like tidal wave surges out from under her feet and like poof, like washes away like the remains of these shadow creatures and then all of you hear a clopping of hooves uh, as Karvach gallops past uh, Ikaika, uh, a tall, like, tattooed centaur woman um, who sort of, like, just makes, like, a gesture with her hands, um, and she just says, Sunshot! And poof, uh, this, like, a bow of just, like, magical golden energy appears out of nowhere in her hands, and you don't see arrows, but she, like, pulls on this invisible uh, bowstring, and arrows appear in her hands, three of them, as she poof, 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 lets them all go uh, with this unerring ac accuracy, and they poof, poof, pierce the iris of like a, a eye just like floating in the sky and like the iris like wobbles and then the eye poof, explodes uh and Carvacha she's galloping along she goes behind you Ikaika and like sort of snipes like a big lumbering like umber hulk that was like like about to like slam down down on Ikaika uh and Ikaika goes hey thanks Carvacha 
Uh, and Carvach lets out a, so they can be killed. Take out the eyes, that's the weak spot. Poof, and they like let out more, more arrows. Uh, and I think that's when poof, the four of you jolt awake from that dream. And we enter arc four. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Azura, Bradley, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Marvelous, Purple Mouse, Scruffisus, and Target.